Green light on. Racing, driving up on the inside of Fair Above, and they're clear. Evident reality in their plane, Bob in the straight, and Fair Above goes for home. She's raced away to win the Australian Cup. Fernando Bluey and Toby Shelby. Here's a great go. Toby Shelby. I think Toby's just won the Cup from Fernando Bluey. And then, Union Girl, the leader. The Evergreen Warrior Fernando Mick led by seven lengths to Baby JC and then Captain Larry, but it is all Fernando Mick. He is a mile in front of the Australian Cup and he's going to bolt it in. Diana Patty the leader, like Opium trying hard, but Diana Patty's going to win the majority in Australian Cup double. Here comes Diana Double One with great strides on the outside. Diana Double One race up, takes the lead. It's the million dollar man for the Australian Cup. We've had a couple of great nights of racing at the Meadows, the last few Saturday nights, and the Australian Cup Carnival culminates this Saturday night with the Australian Cup final. The Fanta Bale, the Rookie Rebel, the Country Championship, Mick McGuan, a good Monday afternoon to you. G'day, Riley. Uh, always a pleasure to be in here with these learned gentlemen talking greyhounds. Can't wait to get into the chat. Learned gentlemen you speak of, uh, George Ferruja. George, good afternoon. Good afternoon, guys. Yeah, um, great meeting at uh, the Meadows on Saturday, and I think we've got a, a cracking night of racing. Not just the Australian Cup, but the support card is brilliant. And Corey Smith from the Meadows joins us. Corey, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Riley. I'm glad you threw to George after to the learned gentleman's statement because I don't know if it would have fit me all that well. But, uh, yeah, it was a ripping night of racing and it only gets better from here as well with the, the final. Some interesting results on Saturday night, George. Yeah, you, you often preempt how you think it's going to turn out, a semi-final night of, of some big races, but they don't often uh, work that way. Look, I, I think a couple of greyhounds made a, a statement, including Morton, uh, for sure. Um, I think there were some hard luck stories as well, but look, we've got a terrific final. You don't fluke making an Australian Cup final, so they all deserve to be there, and this uh, box draw is all important. George, the big surprise for me, just the way the race shape set up, was the Tim Zoo heat, or semi. Yeah. It jumped to the front for Jason Thompson, and from there I thought it was a foregone conclusion. But to see Mapunga Smokey chase after it, go past it, and draw away from it, that was pretty comprehensive. Uh, you would have you would have got a dollar oh four, a dollar ten Tim Zoo down the back for sure. And I'm not taking anything away from Mapunga Smokey; he's clearly a very fast greyhound. But Tim Zoo on the bunny, Corey, is a sight for sore eyes. And Mapunga Smokey beat him hands down. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, as you said, if you could get on live, you would have been uh, truckloading Tim Zoo down the back. But Mapunga Smokey's a very high quality greyhound. Yeah. And I know when we spoke to Jeff Britton a couple of uh, weeks ago, we we spoke about Mapunga Shine, we spoke about Mapunga Award. Mapunga Smokey was even in the field originally, but with a couple of scratchings, he got elevated in there and was probably the forgotten of the the three Jeff Britton, Barry Smith, yeah. Mapunga Greyhounds, and uh, he, he's a very fast dog. He, he has mm. a PB of 29.67 going back to last year, goes 29.70 uh, on the weekend. He, he's a very talented dog, but the way that he went about it really impressed me. I think we don't often see it with him, or we don't see it consistently enough, because he's a bit hit or miss at box rise, and I think that was his best first split for a while, and that set up the race for him, but uh, yeah, box was all important for him on Saturday. What about the fourth semi, boys? Um, it was won by my magic man. I thought, watching the race down the back, Scalacci, I thought he was going to get out after him and get past him, but he didn't. Kane Bale missed the start but ran on well for third. What did you make of that semi-final? 
Yeah, look, in here on Friday, I thought he was really good value, my magic man, because I thought he'd just lead the race, Mick, for sure. Then it was a case of whether Hector and Kane were close enough because they would blow him away. So he, he got away. And Scalacci races similar to my magic man. Their first two splits are their best split. So I wasn't surprised at the result. Um, good to see Scalacci make another group final. But the other two dogs got into all sorts of trouble, which we know can happen in, in those 500-metre races. Um, Hector Fawley still began okay. He went 5-12 early, but uh, there was just too much carnage on that first corner. Yeah, there certainly was. Prior to Umberto being scratched, this looked like a race where they would just absolutely take each other on and break each other's heart early. Yeah. Umberto comes out. My magic man leads. Scalacci is on his hammer. Kane Bale and Hector Foley were the two run-on dogs. Fab's vegetable as well. But they just probably didn't get the crack at them that they no. needed. And, and my magic man, I know, didn't break 30 seconds early. But the way that it goes about it, the sectionals that it can run, we'll put it in every single race. I know it's a grade five at the Meadows, maybe a little bit of a surprise to make the final. But uh, the way that it goes about that, those first two sectionals is really impressive. I think, Mick, only a length and a half behind... Fernando, Phil and Morton when you talk about the back sectional uh, for My Magic Man. So, yeah, that early speed, you know, uh, it's all important in those big races. We also have to touch on, I think, the sports bet fan of Bale Stayers heats. What did you make of Zulu Blast winning the first heat, comparative to Palawa King winning the second heat? Well, Zulu Blast, I I spoke to Holly Thompson after the race, and and I was a little bit surprised that he had that string to his bow, where he didn't didn't lead all of the way, break their hearts, and he he had to come from off the speed. He jumped well, and then he got overtaken, and then he had to come back again, which I was really impressed with, and and the times that he can run, the splits that he can run again, uh, he's going to put himself in just about every staying race that that he can get himself into, but he really showed that there's another string to his bow by coming back off the speed again. And I think that happens when they're just starting out over the distance. We don't know exactly what type of dog they're going to be. Some some of them start off with really good splits and then become more dour as they get along. But you're right. I mean, he's not a one-trick pony. I thought the South Australian Greyhound Lena Jinx was a good run. I mean, she uh, there's not much of her. She was bandaged up like Andrew Gay's going for that dunk that time <laughs> in the Melbourne Tigers. And mummy he, out of Egypt. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, look, uh, hopefully she can stay together. But um, I, I think all lies are on Palawa King in the heat after. That was oh, an incredible it, victory. It was an unbelievable performance. I was a bit taken aback, to be honest. I I started uh, warming up some questions for Shane Drummond with Drill Sergeant leading the way he was leading, and then all of a sudden Palawa King was just there. We we, we know we spoke to Jack Smith a couple of weeks ago on this program, and uh, he's an absolute star, but it, what can't be forgotten is how good of a trainer he is and how good of a dog Palawa King is, because to come back from so far back, weave his way through, I know the time wasn't crash hot, but he, he's a dog that can can run time. He's going to need luck, but he's an absolute star. What would you make of Zohar Bale in that heat? Yeah, look, I think he's, he's gone amiss, hasn't he, um, by the look of it. Um, the, the stewards report said uh, that was a hock injury, so really sad to see because I thought, he's well run, as well. yeah, well. yeah. I, I thought his run the week before was fantastic behind Val Policella. But just on Palawa King, and someone's going to correct me here, but I don't think a Greyhound's ever won a race over the 7.30 going 5.49 early. <laughs> if, so just to give listeners a, a guide, Drill Sergeant went 4.90 to the first mark, and he went 5.49. So Mickey's given him 10 lengths after five and a half seconds. It's incredible. Uh, and we're talking about a Sale Cup winner here. I mean, yeah. there's no slouch as well, so uh, it, was, it was a big win. He just races in patches, doesn't he? Yeah. Palawa. Once he gets galloping room, he accelerates. Yeah. Then he decelerates when there's traffic or a bend coming where he doesn't want to get interfered with. 
that's the concern I've got about him in a big race yeah. when they do become cluttered. A lot of things, gaps have to open up for him to show the acceleration and the power and the endurance that the dog's got. Yeah. The one thing I'll say, though, is I think he jumped and then copped more interference after he jumped. He sort of wasn't all he that... checked cl- over Big Susie's heels. Yeah. Big Susie also missed it, which was yeah. uncharacteristic, and Palawa King wanted to get to the rail, and he checked over heels and then got shot back a little bit further. But, yeah, he... You're right, Mick. He, he's not a complete race dog. He doesn't do it in every single section of the race. But he's like, if you look at the data of the back end of his races, it's off the charts. Like, there's no one comparable. He's still managed to win three Group One races, and he's got all these quirks. He's got all these little things that, as a punter, you go, ah, he doesn't really line up for me. But uh, yeah, he's a he's one of those greyhounds that's just a little bit out of the box. Racing explicit. Well, he was beaten for speed by Fernando Phil, who got across. Explicit's trying to get up on the inside of him, but can't. Now comes to the outer. Launch coach trying to rail through. Next in the field was Piscopo Bale. Further back then to here comes Millie. Next was Isles Enemy Mapunga Shine. Heffern and Bale at the rear. It's Fernando Phil with a big lead. He's away. He's five in front of Launch Code. Then Piscopo Bale and here comes Millie. But Phil, Fernando Phil by five, beat it Launch Code and Piscopo Bale. Next in was here comes Millie. Further back then to Isles Entity, uh, Mapunga Shine. Heffern and Bale and Explicit ran last, 29 and 66. Just hearing Fernando Phil's extraordinary victory in a semi-final of the Australian Cup last Saturday night and we have trainer Michelle Malia on the line. How are you, Michelle? Thanks, guys. How are you? I'm very, very good. Probably not as good as you, though. I mean, I, I spoke on Friday and again on Saturday morning that it was that one heat where there wasn't... I don't think there was a greyhound in it that at their best couldn't run under 5'10". So that the run to the first mark was all important. You must be really proud of your greyhound to not only lead that quality field, but the way he went about it to win in 29.64. Uh, we're, we're extremely proud. Like, I, I knew he had it. He's always had a lot of early speed. He showed it. At times um, and standing on Melbourne Cup night as well, so he's always had the ability. The week before was a great run. He had box eight and he crashed hard left. He first sixty metres was on a forty five degree angle and still held on to third and ran a twenty nine ninety himself. So the ability was there. Look, the time shocked me as well, and the first split was enormous. And I guess that's what you got to do to win those kind of races. It's sort of not not a big surprise, is it, Michelle? I mean, his his runs later um, in the year last year were fantastic. He went twenty nine twenty five at Sandown, backed it up, de- defeating Amron Tiger in twenty nine eighty four at the Meadows. Um, his early speed um, just sets up the race. You must also be proud of the fact that he's by Zoom Out, who was a terrific chaser for you. She had a lot of early speed, and she's thrown a good one here. Ah, uh, she certainly has. Like we lost her straight after we had this litter, so she passed away with cancer on the shoulder. So. It's it's good for her. They're standing up for mum, and she was a fantastic bitch on the track for me. Fourteen hundred fifty thousand, just running around the country, and she just couldn't get that five hundred. She did win ahead of the laurels, and because they had to back up four days later, unfortunately, she couldn't get the final. But look, she was a great bitch, and yeah, he's definitely doing it well for his mum. Michelle, going into that semi final, in your heart of hearts, did you think you'd cross Explicit, who was drawn inside you? No. <laughs> Honestly, come on, man. He, he, he was a favourite to win the whole series. He, he's just a star dog, and he's in star hands with Jason Thompson. And, look, he was just unfortunate. My dog just got across, and I'm not sure if they made any contact at that corner. I I should be able to see it. I think I've watched the replay about 500 times. But, um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know what's happened to him. I hope he's okay. He's a great dog, and 
he did drop out, so I'm, I'm hoping the dog's okay for the Thompson family. Hey, Michelle, it's, uh, it's Corey here. We we spoke a little bit after the race and there was a fair bit of emotion and it was a big big crew behind the dog that came out for the photo. Have you, is it, have you had enough time for that to sink in and are you nice and excited about next Saturday night? Oh, I mean, it's always exciting when you make a race like this and it's what we, work, we all work seven days a week for, but you've got to sort of keep a lid on it and just keep the routine going and, you know, it's going to come down to the box draw now, I think, if... if I'm not going to say what box I want or where I want to be, but uh, it's hard. I, I don't want to mold myself either. But I will say I hope I draw inside the first four anyway. Say it that way. And if I, if I can draw inside, he's, he's a better dog off the inside and he'll be able to show what he's really made of. Michelle, at the start of the show, we said nobody flukes making an Australian Cup final. I mean, all of these dogs are very, very good dogs. But if there's one that you have to choose that might give you some sleepless nights of a greyhound that you have to try to beat, is there one that you can pinpoint? Look, obviously, with Explicit out now, it's going to be Morton. He's, he's a great dog. He's travelling so well for the Sharps. He's in fine form, but I think it's going to come down to Box Tour, who, who's going to get the better run to the first corner out of the two of us. The whole field's great, don't get me wrong, but everybody deserves to be there. They've done a great job. And, look, obviously, if I wasn't there, everybody else is going to be worried about Morton as well. So Box Tour's going to tell a great tale. Michelle, how did Phil pull up from Saturday night's performance running that electrifying time and second part of the question is what do you do in terms of preparation for this week? Give us an insight into what you do from a training perspective. Well I've already had him checked first thing Sunday morning we, we checked him over and made sure he's put up good and he, he feels enormous, he's bouncing we were there. We took him out on his own so he's had a nice solo gallop and loosen up. He'll work up, up now for the next three days, he'll just do his normal routine and go there, do a bit of competitive work in the runs with another dog and and um, always when you give him that last workout, you take a deep breath and say, thank God that week's over. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. It's always, it's always a nightmare until he has that last gallop. But, oh, well. Well, Michelle, congratulations. Congratulations on uh, making the Australian Cup with Fernando Phil, who was brilliant, and also now, uh, through Corey's announcement, uh, having two Group 1 finals on the same night. It must be an unbelievable thrill. Oh, it's what we work so hard for, and absolutely, I'm stoked. Thanks, Corey, for letting me know. <laughs> <laughs> no worries, mate. Maybe we we just have to bombard people uh, with these announcements on radio oh, because the, you just hear the hear the joy in Michelle's voice there, and very well deserved. Stomping's been a phenomenal greyhound uh, over the last probably six or so months. We've seen him run really fast times over every distance that he's he's gone over, and he's a well deserved rookie Rebel final. Well, boys. Um on the assumption we don't know the draw, of course, give us an early selection for the Australian Cup. Oh, I think it's hard to go past Morton for me. Uh, it, it was really impressive. He's a greyhound that's proven it at Group 1 level, winning the gold bullion up at Albion Park. He's run two very, very fast times at the Meadows. Um, prior to the box draw, I think he deserves to be favourite. He's going to be hard to beat. But I think you could just about make a case for, well, you could make a case for all of them, given their performances on the weekend. Is there a dog in the field... George, in your opinion, it doesn't matter where he, where he or she draws and can still win it? Uh, Look, Fernando Phil went five seconds flat. Oh, so if you, if you somehow are able to repeat that and you, you have a greyhound on your inside who runs 5.15, you're a chance. Um, I agree with Corey. I mean, I think Morton really made a statement there on Saturday. Not that we hadn't seen his brilliance uh, prior, but I thought there was a couple of little... Um, 
dicey things that could have happened in that race, and I thought he just um, put pay to them within 50 metres. I think uh, the person we just spoke to, I think if Fernando Phil draws one or two, I mean, he's got to be second, third favourite probably for the race. And I reckon Team Thompson will be wrapped with the way Alpha Zulu has... His last two runs have been better than what he was around the Phoenix time, I reckon. And I think he'll be peaking right at the perfect time. We know Jason Thompson knows how to prepare a big race winner. I don't think he's won an Australian Cup before either. So It's the only one that's not in the mantle. Yeah, the only one of the big ones uh, (laughs) that that he hasn't got on the mantle pace. So I think he'll be be really keen to get Alpha Zulu to get the chockies on on Saturday What about you, Mick? What are you you thinking? I'm Morton. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I think uh, if the pennies drop the right way and hypothetically say he draws immediately outside Fernando Phil, I reckon it presents a race for him. Mm. Crash into the left, Phil. Morton stays up, gets galloping room early. We know he's going to run a pretty electrifying time down the back. Pretty strong through the line. He, to me, is the dog to beat. But just a part of me says, am I prepared to forgive Tim Zoo? Probably. Just not sure whether he's got another three or four lengths to find, but it is Jason Thompson in a big final. Yeah, and he still ran, what, 29.70-odd? I mean, yep. Yeah, he got beaten by a good one, as, as Corey alluded to. Scalacci's an interesting one, too. Does he want box five again? We spoke to he him. He does. He does want he box does. five. He does. I spoke to uh, Talji after the race, <laughs> and I said, what box do you want uh, in the final? And he goes, oh, I'd be happy with five. You don't hear many trainers say that, but uh, he, he likes him drawing middle of the track, and he yeah. likes him from an odd draw. So uh, box number five, he has no qualms about, Jihad Talji. We are chatting Australian Cup Carnival with the dogs ahead of uh, Saturday night's uh, culmination of the carnival. And it is time to uh, read out the rookie rebel field as well, and we'll have uh, Lisa Cockrell on the other side. No surprise, Hector. Foley is in the Rookie Rebel final, but this is the field for 2024. Kane Bale for Mark Dalbridge, Fab's Vegetable for Tom Daly, Fast Minardi for Paul Healy, Father Rick for Ray Webster, Hector Foley for Lisa Cockrell, Raiders Guide for Gary Faye, Stomping for Michelle Malia, who we spoke to earlier, Succeed for Kayla Cottrell, and then American Queen and Aston Costello are the two reserves. So, uh, Again, we, we mentioned to Michelle live on air that her Greyhound Stomping was in the Rookie Rebel final. We've done the same thing to Lisa. Lisa, it's probably expected given the, the sort of talent that Hector Foley has, but it must be always nice to uh, to get that sort of accolade. Yeah, it definitely is. Like, it's always a bit of a worry sometimes, but yeah, you know. Obviously very happy that he's in the field. Now, he's had a bit of a different campaign leading up to this. He went through the Australian Cup uh, series where he ran incredibly impressively in his heat and then semi-final where he was absolutely luckless. Back up to the 600, uh, I I would imagine he's just absolutely cherry ripe for this one. Yeah, he certainly is. We had him set um, for Rookie Rebel. We spelled him sort of just after Christmas with the plan of getting him you know, obviously peaking it over these next couple of weeks. So we're very, very happy with the way he is now. Lisa, George Ferugi here. Congratulations on making another Group 1 at the Meadows. Of course, uh, we're on track to watch him win his Hume Cup. Tell us a little bit about his runs, Phoenix, onwards. Some of his runs over 600 metres, his first split have been unbelievable. Like, he broke nine seconds over the 5.95 at Sandown, so the speed is there. But in his last couple of starts, it's been the first time that he's broken 5.10 to the marker. He went 5.09 in that Phoenix. He went 5.07 when he won three starts ago in 29.70. Has it been something different with the dog, or has he just been beginning a little bit better? Can you explain to the listeners uh, what it's been like? <laughs> well, it probably 
in Ian's eyes, comes back to the handler. He's taken the reins over and produced some early speed. So apparently it's all Ian. Okay. Um, <laughs> you can disagree with that if you like, Lee. Oh, well, I kind of can't because the facts are on the table. So um, nothing really much. We've done nothing different with the dog other than given him... I mean, he even did it before the spell. Um yeah, I'm not sure. Maybe he figured it's a little bit easier being at the front rather than trying to weave through the field or something. I'm not – I don't know what he's decided to do. Obviously, you know, when he, you know, he's coming back to the sprints and matching it with the, the sprinters early, um, yeah, maybe, maybe he's just a bit clever and figured it out. I, I honestly – we haven't changed anything other than Ian handling now. What about the freshness side of things, Lise? Does that help him come out of the boxes, do you think, and particularly the way he come back in that period that George spoke about? Yeah, I think it has helped him. He was, um, you know, if he didn't get into the Phoenix, we probably, you know, may have said, yeah, right now it's a bit of time off because he was, he's been up for so, so long. So, yeah, coming back fresh, we knew... Um, he wasn't peak fitness heading into uh, Warrigal Cup, which is one of the reasons why um, we put him in it, because if you're going to trial him, you might as well race a dog like that, because you just never know. You know, if he hadn't happened to have gotten the luck over the sprint distances, then he would have been into it up to his ears sort of thing. So, um, yeah, the break was good, stepping up, and it's obviously really hard to get 600-metre races, um, he can he can sprint, so you know we've got to chase them as well. Stay with us, Lisa. Back to you in a sec. They are at the boxes and about to load at Geelong for us number five. It starts the quaddy number three wrong box. Fast box number three landed in front. So there came man of courage. Followed uh, obviously Hector Foley and all things uh, about his recent form, which going around twenty two fifty four six three eight and four with the call for Bron race number five at Geelong. Uh, Lisa, uh, we're talking uh, obviously Hector Foley and all things uh, about his recent form, which has been fantastic. Uh, after this um, campaign, I know trainers don't like to look too far ahead, but as you mentioned, he can sprint. Do you try to concentrate on some of the the bigger races over the sprint journey, like like a Harrison Dawson or something like that, or what? What's the plan? Yeah, we haven't got an exact set plan yet. The Rookie Rebel was obviously where we wanted him to be peaking. Um, been discussing going up to Dubbo for the 600-metre race up there. Um, yeah, I think we let it we let it play by ear a little bit with him. He tends to tell us if he needs a break or not. Um, yeah, really, really have no plans after Rookie Rebel just yet. If there's, you know, no 600-metre races, yeah, we'll definitely drop him back to the sprint again. Um, yeah, and I mean, he loves Sandown as well, so that's always a bit of a draw card with him for us. Uh, Lisa, now, you've had plenty of really talented greyhounds over the years uh, between yourself and Ian, and this bloke, I, I dare say, would, would be just the absolute cream of the crop, but can you talk us through how his career has kind of developed and, and the thought process processes behind him? Because I think at one point you were looking to, towards like a 700-metre career and now we're seeing him compete in races like the Phoenix and the Australian Cup Carnival. Is there, You just touched on before about how you let him do the talking. Has it kind of surprised you the way that his career has turned out? 
Yeah, it really has. We sort of, when we're watching him go over 600 metres and he was running home so strong, we went, wow, if he can get to the front over 700 metres, you know, it's going to be pretty hard to to run him down sort of thing. But I think he was, he was actually just too quick to be a 700 metre dog, if that makes any sense at all. Um, so that's when we sort of dropped him back to the 600 and then he had a bit of a, he must have had a bit of a spell or just a little bit of a let up and we put him over the short at Geelong and he went, you know, twenty two forty or something like that and we went, Wow, the dog can sprint as well. This is great. It just opens up more races. We can go in the five hundreds and we can go in the six hundreds. Um so yeah, so that's what we've sort of let him do. Obviously when he went round Warragul in the um black, uh the Pink Diamond series um, he got the 650 as well. So that might, you know, I think over time, maybe when he gets a little bit over, over a bit older, we'll look at sort of stepping him up to the 700 metre and and see what happens again. We're chatting Australian Cup Carnival with George Ferrugia, Corey Smith and Mick McGuan. And Corey, as I uh, look at the uh, action off the track on Saturday night, I see you can uh, dine in the Tim Lee dining room for 100 bucks. A four-hour beverage service sounds uh, like it might be a play. Yeah, we're uh, very close to capacity up there. So if anyone wants to come, make sure you're in the, the club right now and, and get involved. Um, but even if you can't get a ticket for that, if it's sold out, then we will be having plenty of act- activations out on the uh, general admission sort of areas as well. There'll be food trucks, there'll be entertainment, all that sort of stuff. And uh, it's going to be an absolute ripping night, as I'm sure George and Mick will attest to. The Meadows on a big night is uh, a place like none other. Yeah, it's great. The atmosphere is good. You're on top of the track. You can get up close and personal to the greyhounds, especially from a kid's perspective, bit bit of nostalgia enters your mind when you're a young kid yourself going to Broadway Park as a kid in Ballarat, George, um, and you sort of get up close and personal, you pat the dog and all yeah. that sort of stuff. That The handlers and the trainers are fantastic to get their greyhound up close to the young kids, and that's what you do. You try to make them get connected to the industry, and they stay in it for a long period of time. And this is a race um, steeped in history, the Australian Cup. I mean, it goes back to when I was younger at Olympic Park and watching China Trip win back-to-back oh, yeah. races, and she's the only greyhound to ever win back-to-back Australian Cups, an unbelievable effort. I know my uncle backed the second dog in the race at 16 to 1 called True to Do and um, he still, I can't repeat what he says on there <laughs> about that but China Trip was a star but look the Meadows do it unbelievably well, Phoenix Night just goes to another level um, the decking is fantastic, it looks like the weather's good, just get out there, it's brilliant. Free entry as well so uh, yep. there's there's no excuses In terms of catering, what are you anticipating from a crowd perspective? Uh, it's always hard to say with with the free entry, with the general admission, um, when you haven't got the tickets there in front of you but uh, I think we've got about 700 booked in so far um, between a couple of activations that we've got. So with general admission, I'd be hoping for between probably 1,500, or around 1,500. That'd be a nice sort of thing uh, at this time of year. What time's the box draw tomorrow? Uh, tomorrow afternoon, the box draw will be going live across our Facebook page and GRV Extra on YouTube as well. Uh, not sure an exact time at this stage. We'll have to wrangle the stewards and make sure it all works <laughs> prior to uh, getting it up, but it'll be early afternoon, I would suggest. And the support program, there'll be a consolation? Yeah, there will be a consolation. Uh, last year we actually saw the consolation be stronger than the final in a lot of people's opinions and I'm sure the consolation will be an absolute ripper again this year. That'll get drawn uh, in a couple of days but we, 
we have that. We have the Group 3 Country Championships, which I'm sure George wants to talk a little bit more about with uh, with some talented greyhounds and one that he has a little bit of a uh, little bit to do with. And we'll also have the, the maiden final as well. We've seen the, the heats and the semifinals over the last couple of weeks. So it's a, a massive support card and there's going to be plenty of stars on the track. George, you like the Country Championship being aligned to Australia Cup night? I do, I do. So it was a series that were, was raced over four different provincial tracks with two heats in each of those, and you had to win to get through. And there's a greyhound that um, Cranbourne Racing, uh, Grand Racing Club have syndicated uh, called Hi There Frank, which we bought for them, and he's in the final. So the owners are getting a real thrill out of him. I think there's about 20 owners, so I wow. think there'll be a few trackside there. So no, it's uh, it's what it's all about, Mick, isn't it? I mean, you've, you've won big races with dogs you've had. Um, it's memories that you create and you never forget. It was interesting when we were talking to Lisa about Hector Foley going over a, a staying trip and how she said, oh, he was a little bit quick, if that makes sense. Graham Bait used the word too brilliant when he had fair, we had fair sentence go over a trip over yeah. distance. He was probably a little bit brilliant to stay the journey. He could set up a lead and buffer and maybe try to hang on, which he did on a couple of occasions, but the staying wasn't his go. But I understand the language that Lisa mentioned when she was talking Hector Fawley because it resonated with me with 30-odd years ago when Fair Sense was tried over a distance. And you can see it the way he gallops. He's 110% every time he runs that dog. He's just full on. And I remember those runs at Sandown. He'd get really tired in the last fight. He'd give everything, absolutely mm. everything. But, I, again, I credit them for having a go at it. Uh, George, great to see you, uh, you in here as always, and we'll hear from you across the week, no doubt. Yeah, we're back in here Friday um, with Jason Adams to, to wrap up or to preview uh, an amazing night of racing. And Corey, it has been a, a fantastic carnival, Australian Cup carnival thus far at the Meadows. We look forward to a uh, culmination on Saturday night, and it's great to have had you in the studio the last couple of Mondays. Uh, good uh, luck on Saturday night. Thank you very much for having me. It's been a, an absolute pleasure. I think Jason Adams said it best last week when he said that uh, he just likes talking about fast greyhounds being fast, and I absolutely love that too so thanks for the opportunity set to go for the australian cup final box and ready to go they're racing and Brettley began like a firecracker near the outside and goes across and takes the lead. Brettley two and a half to three to go while Teddy third. Dutchie's Angel out of the straight going out to the Taylor's flood form but going down the back straight and Brettley is a cricket pitch in front about six lengths clear. Go while Teddy followed by Dutchie's Angel then Big Smig well back in the race came True King followed further back by flood form and then came Shirt and Pound Karama five but Brettley one of the greatest turns for home with an enormous advantage and Brettley wins the Australian Cup very easily indeed, about eight lengths. Go Wild Teddy second, Dutchie's Angel third, then True King followed further back by Big Smig. Behind them then came Karoma Fire and one of the last in, Sheridan Power.